Blog Talk Radio. Welcome. We are the forgotten survivors of the sex industry. We are the spouses, partners, and exes of porn and or sex addicts. And together, we are the Butterfly Nation. My name is Allison. And my name is Sandy. Welcome to the Butterfly Nation. We are both certified coaches in the Mindful Habit System, which is a system of recovery for porn and sex addiction. But we both specialize in coaching partners, right, Sandy? Absolutely. Because we both are ex-partners, so we've experienced this ourselves. So we wanted to make sure that everyone knew that going in today. Um, today, we're going to be talking about after discovery. So we're going to paint a picture of you of what it was like in our own marriages after D-Day. So D-Day is Discovery Day. D-Day is the day you find out. And we talked about that last week. And uh, I think we get got some pretty good details in there now. But what happens next? Uh, we both tried to work on our marriages. And, uh, yeah. Sandy? Yeah. yeah. You were going to say something today, too, just to let our listeners know kind of which road we're taking and why. Absolutely. So I just want to begin by saying that uh, Alice and I in our discussions have decided that we're going to change the format of the show just a little tiny bit, just tweak it a little tiny bit, that rather than um, completely sharing every detail of our stories, we're going to bring in um, research and stories of other partners um, that is in these research and, and et cetera. And the reason that we're doing this is A, to keep it a, about us, uh, about you, the partners, about us as the partners or ex-partners, rather than the person with the addiction, as well as to, um, so because if we tell our stories, someone listening may say, oh, well, my partner didn't do that or didn't do that as bad or as much. So maybe I have nothing, you know, why am I listening? Why am, why am I feeling this way? And I don't want anyone to minimize what their experiences have been. We don't. Allison and I do not want anyone to minimize what their experiences have been. And that is because um, your experiences are your own and it's tr- and they can be, um, very, very traumatic, regardless of what your your partner or ex partner has done, and so exactly. we want so we want to make sure that you feel welcomed and that you feel um, that you're getting something out of the program. And exactly. so that's, that's just what we, have, we have our own two stories, but there are so many other stories too. No two stories are the same, and so we want to make clear that just because your isn't exactly the same as mine or Sandy's that you don't think that um, maybe you don't have as much to worry about or anything like that. So that's really important for us. And that's actually why we're going to do next week. Our topic is going to be what is sex addiction? So we're going to talk about that so that everyone can have a greater understanding of kind of how to tell is, is it sex addiction or, or did he just have one affair or all that kind of stuff. So that's really important for us too. Absolutely. To get across everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, thanks for explaining that, Sandy. Um, we're going to start with your story today. And I have, again, we're talking today about right after D-Day, right after Discovery, when everything has gone down, things start to, I guess, settle down, not really, but to, uh, to regulate, I guess is a better word. Things start to get into a pattern. Um, Sandy, I have a big question for you to start out with. Sure. Okay. Right after discovery, right after you found all this out, why did you stay? Good question, Allison. Great question, actually. Um, I think at first, for the first several days, I was in a state of shock. I was in a state of I didn't know which end was up. I didn't know if I was coming or going, and I couldn't make a decision save my life. Um, I literally was walking around in a state of, I was just, I was numb. I was just numb. And, and that's trauma. And Minwala calls it discovery trauma. And right. it's complex. It's complex tra- trauma. And so uh, what's just, the difference between complex trauma and regular trauma? Regular trauma, um, let's say from a severe motor vehicle accident. You know, that's a, a traumatic event. Yes, it's sudden. Um, there's shock involved. There's, you know, and it's related to, to that event. 
when we find out about our partners um, and it's, it's betrayal trauma, how it's complex is because there's many, many levels of trauma. There's grief, huge, deep, deep grief. There's, there's um, trauma uh, in the physical sense. There's trauma in the emotional sense. Like I said, discovery trauma is, is, can have post-traumatic stress symptoms of finding out what you thought you knew, <clears throat> excuse me, what you thought you always knew of your partner to not be true. Exactly. In every area. In every area. And you start second guessing your entire time together. You're like, well, well, was this, when you said this, was it true? Was that true? Was anything true? Or when, you know, when we went to, uh, when we were in Disneyland, was he thinking about sleeping with her or other girls? Was he thinking about teenagers? Was he, when we were on our honeymoon, who was he thinking about sleeping with? When, when, uh, in every, every memory, when we go to the grocery store, who's he thinking about sleeping with? When we go to the gym, when, so every single, every single memory is now suddenly completely changed. I know for me, Sandy, the wedding day memories. I I feel like I was have never been married. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and 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 mine had been thirty one years previously, and I felt the same way. I I thought is it all a lie? Is our entire time a lie? And Minwallen, this is going to be a, another number of shows that we will do. We're going to touch on. Minwala research article from 2014 about the 13 dimensions of sex addiction induced trauma among partners and spouses impacted by sex addiction. And and so it's not only discovery trauma, there's disclosure trauma. And and what you were talking about is reality, you know, reality fragmentation. Our our reality is completely shattered and and our trust um, is completely shattered in a million different pieces. And I have to say, Sandy, I found that article when I was in my intense research stage, which was one of my coping mechanisms, because I couldn't really, I couldn't believe anything he said. I couldn't believe anything except research. There was science out there, and that's what I grabbed onto. And that's when I found that article. And I have to tell you, that article was a pivotal, uh, reading that article was a pivotal point in my own um, journey, because it, it, it had everything in it. Every single aspect was 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 validated, yes. and it was recognized, and it was put into words by a very smart person, <laughs> and that was really helpful for me. So we are going to do at least one whole show, if not more, on this particular paper. So I think that it would be great. We're gonna um, we'll, we'll post that. Uh, in our in our pages. So for me, that's uh, thebutterflyhabit.com. You'll be able to find that document there. And Sandy, why don't you give your address? Yeah, mine is empoweringcounseling.ca. Uh, okay. And I will post this uh, this article as well. Yeah. Um, you know, in in my links uh, as well. And what we'll do. Um, I think because there's 13 dimensions, while we don't necessarily need 13 shows, I believe that we're probably going to need nine or 10 shows touching, oh, on, each of these, touching on each of these dimensions uh, yeah. itself and what that means, what is it like, and, and so on. But So I encourage all of you, all of you listening, uh, to, to go to our web pages, get that link, and read that article. Read it. It's it's so incredibly powerful. So please take that time for yourself. It's a long paper. You don't have to read it all at once. I read it probably 150 times because um, there's so much information and it just it puts everything, all the pieces of this puzzle together for you, which is really really helpful. So please uh, do yourself the biggest favor and 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 uh, go to our web pages and get that get that information. So Sandy. Back to why you stayed. Okay. After, after um, you know, uh, several days, uh, and it had been determined that my partner was going to go into treatment, um, that I thought, okay, I need, to, I need to know that I've done everything to support him in this treatment and to make our long-term marriage and relationship work. So I knew I wanted to 
to be able to walk away from the experience and be okay with, with my actions, make a legitimate effort toward reconciliation, then I know I did everything I could and improve other relationships in my life in the meantime. The main relationship that I needed to improve was the relationship with myself. And so during this time, it was an aha moment for me in that um, while I was shocked, there was some relief. And I know that sounds odd to find out all of this stuff. There was some relief that after, you know, the two plus years in marriage counseling and thinking that I was doing something wrong and nothing was ever coming forward, that I found out that it wasn't me. Wow. That I had nothing to do with this. And we'll talk about that in what sex addiction is. It has nothing to do with the relationship. Yeah, it absolutely. has absolutely nothing to do with, with our relationship. And it had absolutely nothing to do with me. And I took comfort in that. It didn't take away from the pain of betrayal. And it didn't take away from the, the complex trauma and all the, 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 the shattered, shattered trust and shattered beliefs. Everything was in a million pieces, but I knew that I had to start picking up the pieces of me. I had to start picking up those pieces of my soul that I had given away willingly to, in order to be the strongest me and the best me I could so that I could make a decision that was in my best interest. And what I did was give myself permission to the only decision I had to make was absolutely no decision. That's amazing, Sandy, and that's something um, we'll touch on when I get to when I get to my story. But I want to point out, it took me a long time to understand that I had to that I had to uh, work on myself. It took me a long time to get there. So it's we've got a different timeline. I'm always so impressed with you that that you had that light bulb moment so early on. I certainly did not, and we'll talk about that later. So what else do you want to share about I, uh, post? Discovery. About post-discovery, I think um, one of the things, and I, I, I believe from my research, many partners do this. I know you did this, Allison. It's about research and just trying to find, you know, um, as much as you can. And um, about two and a half weeks in, I found uh, the mindful habit. And I just started reading everything I could about the mindful habit. And, and uh, mindful habit was started by Craig Perra. Him and his wife um, were the founders, and Craig was the developer. And just a reminder, habit. we're both certified coaches in the coaches Mindful Habit. Mindful Habit System. Right. Yes, absolutely. It, every philosophy, every component of the Mindful Habit fit with my beliefs, fit with who I am as a professional, as a registered psychotherapist, and now the certified coach, um, fit me. And... Um, and it was that, and the Michelle had developed a manual for partners. And I, I fully, fully suggest you go on the, everyone go on the mindful habit. Um, dot, I believe it's dot org or it's feed the right wolf dot org dot com mindful dot com and feed the right or feed the right wolf dot org. And you will be led for partners. You'll be led and there is a free manual that you can download. I printed it because I like things in my hand. Uh, to read. And it was my lifeline. It was literally my lifeline. Um, Then I started buying books. And I found that many of the books that were written were from the early 90s, the Carnes, Patrick Carnes. And and while he speaks very well on the addiction, the component that I, that I, to this day, feel very, very, uh, take so much offense is about the co-addiction. I'm sorry. If, if you don't know that an addiction exists, you cannot enable it in That's any right. way, shape, or form. And then it talks about our codependency. And when you are married and or with someone for, for as a partner living together, and the things that you do together, you're dependent on each other for the activities of daily living, for just doing, you know, there, there's all kinds of things that you depend on each other. That does not mean that you're in a codependent relationship. No, that's a healthy relationship. That's a healthy relationship. So what I was finding 
was all of this stuff that made me feel so incredibly bad about myself. And I kept going back to the mindful habit. I kept going back to that manual. And then I found a book by, I believe it was Paula Hall. And it was, uh, the, the name escapes me, but I'll put the link for that book as well. And she really talks from a partner's perspective. And it's, uh, it's, um, it's Mending the Shattered Heart. Uh, for partners of, uh, that's what it's called, Mending the Shattered Heart uh, for Partners of Porn and Sex Addiction. And she really speaks to um, how we are re-traumatized and victimized by these labels of co-addict or codependency. And um, I just really gravitated to those things then that made me feel whole rather than flawed. Absolutely. And you know what? Um, I think it's really important. What you're talking about right now is, is one of the 13 dimensions. That's yeah. the therapeutic re-traumatization. And we are yeah. going to talk about that in detail um, coming up. Not today, but we will have a show about that. I think that deserves its own full show. Oh, that absolutely. is the stories that we hear from other partners. are They, they make me want to pull my own hair out. It's just it's yeah. so unreasonable the way that we have been treated over the years in this field. And that's what drew both Sandy and I, I can, I know I can speak for you for this part to the mindful habit was that it, it was actually reality. It wasn't trying to make us at fault or co-addicted or co-habitat or sorry, co, um, co-dependent, anything like that. Yeah. So, so that's really huge. And that's going to be something that we get into later. There's so much to learn about this ladies and gentlemen, there's so much to learn. And while we wish that we could talk about every single topic in great detail, every, every show, it's just not possible with our airtime. So, but we are going to get into that. So kind of keep your, keep your ears open for that episode. That's going to be a big one. And it could be happening to you right now. It could be happening to you right now. Okay. That's why it's so important. It's very common. So moving on, moving forward, Allison, what was it like for you? Why did you stay? Um, I stayed, I believe, I was very, very deeply in love with my ex-husband, and, or who I, who I thought he was. Mm-hmm. And I wanted that person to be real so badly. And I wanted this not to be the truth so badly. And I believe so strongly in marital values, vows, so strongly, so strongly. And fidelity is up there in the, like, number one for me. So you can imagine my value system had been completely decimated. But I wanted, I truly wanted him to recover. I truly wanted him to find inner peace, to be, to reach his own full potential. Allison, you know what? That's exactly it. Just like what you had said about being deeply, deeply in love with your ex-husband, I was too. I never, ever had looked ever at another man. No. Only one I had ever wanted. I was with him from the time I was 20 years old. The only one I had ever wanted. The only one I desired. The only one I wanted to be with. And we had a life together. And I didn't want to break up that family. Exactly. It was, I wanted the life that we, that I thought we had. That you signed I thought up for. We had, that I signed up yeah. for. That went with my morals and values. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So one of my with with one of my um, one of my values being like uh, like true commitment, true commitment means through good and the bad. I had to. I I knew for myself that I had to try absolutely everything to try to make it work that I possibly could. Now that does not mean trying things that I was really uncomfortable with. One of the things that kept being uh, suggested was going to a regular marriage counselor. And because I already knew about therapeutic re-traumatization, I refused to do that. So I was protecting myself on some level and him because when you go to an unqualified um, person about this, especially they're going to be telling them all sorts of things. You don't know where it's going to go there. And and they can actually reinforce their addictive behavior and without, because they don't understand the full picture of it. So I was protecting him and myself from that. But I tried everything that I could in my power to 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 stay because I believed in those vows, and I knew that I knew that um, 
I, I, I knew his potential. I knew who he could be. And I knew what this, this addiction had taken from him. And I wanted to support him to get that back. That's why I stayed, Sandy. Okay. Allison, did, when you say you knew his potential and you knew who he was, was that who you thought he was or, or who he, he truly was? Who I thought he was. Mm-hmm. And that's who I thought he wanted to be. I, you know, we're, we're going to do, you know, shows about this too, about the, living the double life, <clears throat> which is very common. But he, I, I knew who he wanted to be because that's who he projected to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I associated that with reality. And, and, you know, so, I mean, it's very, very complex. It's very complex. But today's show is about the aftermath. Hence, complex trauma. Okay. Hey, wow. The people, did you hear that? That was good. <laughs> oh, oh, you're good. <laughs> That's so complex today, trauma. That is, you're, that, thank you. Wow. Wow. You're good. Um, so the aftermath of discovery is what we're talking about today. So what were some of your, uh, your other experiences or other experiences that you heard um, from other partners, because as you know, Sandy, it, it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop at the beginning. Often more and more keeps coming out and, and, you know, there are behavioral changes and patterns. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Sure. And, and, you know, you may have, like I did an aha moment um, in which it, it all made sense. Why interests that um, were had before were, were gone by the wayside as the, as the addiction became more and more prominent and again, the, the addiction is something that's very compulsive and it becomes, it is a habit. Addiction is habit. It's not a disease base. There's many, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about that next, next time. Um, but it's, there, there's over time, and this is typical um, for most, the, the majority of persons who have this, this type of affliction is that you learn more and more as a partner, you learn more and more as time goes on, more and more discoveries. So you have smaller D-days. You have the main D-day where it all exploded and, and you found out, um, you know, you found out something um, that was very devastating and traumatic. But as time goes on, you'll have more D-days. Discovery tends to happen in, in stages and phases. And um, whether that's the all of a sudden the presence of a transaction, whether that's um, a new email comes through, whether that's uh, they've gone back on, you know, to watching porn um, or not, maybe it's and and some some partners um, want to or or some some partners, some people who have the affliction want to get better. That's part of them going into treatment or seeking treatment and they want to stop it. They want to stop the, the compulsive behaviors, the, um, the acting out, the, you know, what doing whatever it is, they want to stop it and they really want to stay with their, with their partner. Yes. Allison. Sandy, it looks like we might have a caller. Oh, that's fantastic. Unless your area code is five seven starts nope. at five seven. Well, nope. wow. Let's bring this caller in. We have our first Absolutely. caller. Let's answer that call. Hi, you're on the air. This is Allison and Sandy. Thank you so much for calling. Are you there? Oh, drop call. Well, uh, you know okay. what? Give us a call back. It's okay if you want to change your name, if you want to um, change your voice even, then absolutely that's totally fine. We understand this is a, this is a very um, sensitive topic and, and we understand the need for privacy. So I'm going to give you the phone number right now. Uh, thank you for calling whoever just called. It was, uh, it's okay. You are safe. You're safe here. Okay. So you can call back whenever you're, you want. You're very safe. You're very absolutely. safe. Absolutely. Um, so that number for you, Colin, is 646-787-8580. Again, that's 646-787-8580. Okay, Sandy, sorry, let's go back to what you were saying. Okay. Um, so to, to um, that was wonderful to have a call. 
So just, I'm just saying that that's, that's wonderful. <laughs> right. Uh, please call back. Please call back. We would love to answer your questions. We'd love to hear um, your question or, or a little piece of your story. That would just be amazing. Uh, so please, please feel free to call back. Um, what I was saying is that um, the D-Days, smaller and smaller D-Days happen over time. And if, um, you know, some some programs of treatment that um, the person with the affliction may have, may go in, is that there is a day of actual full disclosure at some point in the future. The sooner that that happens, the better. The, the sooner that healing can happen. And after a full disclosure, usually a couple of weeks or a week after, um, the partner is allowed to do an impact statement. And I know that... Wait, why don't we slow down one second, Sandy? Sure. What, can you maybe give a little bit more information to our listeners? What is a full disclosure? Oh, absolutely. Full disclosure is um, the person with the affliction working with their therapist to go through a timeline of when things started for that person uh, when, when the addiction started, um, and so usually in adolescence, and work through um, the reason why it may have started. And quite typically, there's a very high percentage, I think something like 95% is trauma-based, trauma-induced. Um, and then as they go through that timeline, it's about, you know, when do they start watching porn? If they started watching porn, when do they first start acting out? How do they act out? Who do they act out with? Not necessarily names, but um, a number of, you know, if there were affairs, how many affairs, if they were online or in person, uh, not, ne- not details of those affairs, but um, that those affairs happened, if there was any other meetings, such as uh, meetings, you know, in the park or, you know, hooking up with an online lover um, in person because you so happen to be in the area. Yeah, sports events. Basically everything. Everything, yeah. yeah. It's to talk about, um, you know, what what the person with the affliction did. Uh, so let's say ordering tickets. Um, for a sporting event, which had never ever may have never have happened before, and um, taken the whole family, and but because an online lover was going to be at that sporting event from out of town, um, that's why they were online. wasn't close enough to meet in person, and but they wanted to meet in person. So the you know um, the the person with the affliction could get tickets. For the family, they're at the sporting event, and then make a reason to have to leave. Like I have to go to the bathroom, I have to do whatever, and to hook up with that with that person, with that per- their their online lover in person. Um, so it can go as you know as as drastic measures as that. Um, it it, but that's what full disclosure is. It's about learning all about that. It's supposed to have a clean slate that there is no other secrets. There is nothing else left to be to be found out um, so that moving forward can happen. We don't have to look in the past. We can move forward. And um, with, moving forward with all the pieces of the puzzle, potentially, we'll never, ever, as partners, ever get all the pieces of the puzzle. We'll always have questions. And for the most part, those questions likely will not be answered. So we have to come to an acceptance of that. Absolutely. And I think part, part, of a, part of that for a lot of partners, after full disclosure, because we, we should say, Sandy, full disclosure, it's supposed to be everything. There's no guarantee that it is. Okay? Absolutely. That's, that's, that's Absolutely. our reality. Mm-hmm. So one thing uh, that partners sometimes request is polygraphs. Yes. Because one of the things we have to remember in this this affliction, um, whether that it's porn or porn and or sex or or sex addiction, it, it doesn't matter what it is. There is so much deceit and betrayal and secrecy. They um, that that we don't know so much, and they become our our the person with the affliction become basically pathological liars, and they don't even know when they're telling a lie anymore it's just so second nature and and so but it really takes a lot of energy it takes a lot of energy because they have to well who did I tell what to and so full disclosure is supposed to be but remember they are pathological liars 
and um, the likelihood is we're not getting ever getting the full disclosure. Now, when I say about we may have questions, that may be questions of details of the affair. And I want you to really consider, ladies, do you really need to know and want to know those deep details? Because there's part of you that may want to. And, um, but having said that, having said that, we can never unsee or unhear what we have heard. And we just actually have more. Is, is, it, is it enough that you know that your, your partner uh, had affairs with women? Do we really need to know what he did with them? That's right, because, Sandy, that, that can further traumatize us. Because, yeah. for example, um, let's say that uh, some, a partner finds out that her husband had been meeting um, somebody, uh, another woman at Starbucks, every, every you know, Friday afternoon, whatever the story is, that now, for the rest of her life, She's going to link Starbucks to that woman, to the, to the affair, right? So every single time she passes a Starbucks, at least well, before she's done healing, that's going to come into her mind. So she's creating, she's unfortunately now created a situation where every day, if it's something like Starbucks, basically she's going to be reminded over and over and over. And it also may be, maybe Starbucks is her favorite coffee place. Right. And now there's another loss. Exactly. Right. So do we really need to know where things happened? Um, I know for myself, I needed to know because I never, ever wanted to go to those hotels. I wanted to make sure when we're traveling, we never, ever went into that chain. Um, That uh, I, I, so I, I know I needed that. Um, but here's the thing. I don't know if he was truthful. Exactly. Right? So even if you hear it, it may not be the truth. At first, I know that I wanted to know, I wanted to know, for example, what kinds of, what kinds of, uh, porn he was watching. Right? I wanted to know, I wanted to know. I'm so glad now that I didn't find that out. I have hunches. I think I know. One parts of it I do know, but the fact that I didn't ever have to carry such specific visions and trauma visions with me, with myself, and have them, you know, I think looking back, that would have made it worse. <clears throat> you couldn't have convinced me of that at the time, mm-hmm. but I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I was spared that that information. Mm-hmm. And and every time you you do hear, like you said, Starbucks. You're re-traumatized every time just driving by it, yeah. and and you know it's and it it becomes um, a place of of negative and where where you used to have joy in it and positivity, uh, it becomes a place of negativity and and you avoid it, and it's not only another loss but every time just driving by it or hearing the words, hearing seeing a commercial, there is that <gasps> you know um, it's a trigger. Yeah, and and even once you are through your healing, it still may be a trigger, and you have to do that work with that trigger. And and I just ask, is it worth it? Is it worth it to really know the place? Exactly, exactly. You know, or, or those those ex, you know extensive details. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Something to consider. So. There's a garage door opening near me. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Out of my control. And welcome to live radio. Yes. <laughs> live podcasting. <laughs> right? So um, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about from from uh, the Discovery Aftermath, Sandy? No, you go ahead. How about, can, do you want to continue, Allison? Sure, yeah, yeah. I'll get into it. So I'm, I'm going to go to uh, from a little bit different of an angle. And again, I apologize about that garage door. <laughs> That's really loud. <laughs> um, I'm going to go out uh, at this from a little bit different of an angle. So uh, a couple of things that I wanted to just kind of mention so that so that people can know basically that these are normal reactions to this situation. Um, there are a lot of normal reactions that we don't know are normal and we think we might be crazy. And we're being told we're crazy very often as well. 
So that doesn't help the situation. Um, so I'm going to talk about a few of the things that, that I went through in my journey. Okay. So one of the things that I was, was kind of forced to do, although it wasn't forced because I did, I, I made the choice to do it. I said, yes, but I used to have to watch movies with him that he would find that would be about men who were unhappy in their marriages and cheating on their wives. So we would go down and watch one of these movies and it would be, he, he wanted me to watch these so that I could understand where he was in his head. And it was a lot of movies that we, that we watched like that. And every time I just, it, it shattered me more, but I kept saying yes to watching them. And he also wanted me to watch some erotica. It wasn't porn. Um, so the difference between porn and erotica, uh, erotica is, is art. It's, it's, uh, it's the, it's a very artistic, uh, portrait of sex. Porn is the opposite of that. He wanted me to watch erotica. So I had to sit there and watch Again, I say had, but I, I, I chose to, I was trying, I just wanted it to work. I wanted, I, I was trying to meet his needs. So I would watch that with him. And the whole time I would be sitting there thinking how ugly I was, how he's definitely thinking about sleeping with her right now, doing exactly what the guy on the screen is doing. And I'm sitting here and I don't even matter. I'm like totally invisible. I'm, I'm way too fat. I am, I'm old. I am, I had all these thoughts that would go through my head and I would be subjected to that quite often in the beginning. Start fading after I think he believed he got his point across. Um, we watched them less and less, but that was very hard for me. And I know that's probably a unique uh, situation. I'm not sure that that's kind of, I don't, I've never heard of another partner um, uh, doing that, but I, I wanted to say it because I wanted it to be clear how unique our situations are and how they're all so valid, regardless of of um, kind of the, the context or the, or the situations, the specific situations we went through. Okay, so that's why I wanted to talk about that. Um, that was not the most difficult part by far. Um, I... All that I could think about was this, Sandy. That's all. It's all I could think about. And and I know now that I was seeking safety, and safety was truth. And I wanted the truth. And I and it was all I thought about. Um. So every every pretty woman I saw, I would think, oh, my husband would fuck her, and not me. He doesn't. He didn't want me. He would want her though. Every like every this was all the time, every day. Or I was yeah. I would have um traumatic visions, um invasive visions of him fantasizing and masturbating or watching porn and masturbating. I never saw him do it, but in my head, I knew exactly what it looked like because I couldn't get it out of my head. And that was, that was recurring. Those were, they, I would be, you know, talking to someone um, and uh, about something completely different and it po- into my head randomly and invasively would pop a vision of that. Allison, how did you care for yourself during that time? I didn't. What what did you do? It took a long time before I started to. So I would I would kind of go into I would shut down and go into shock and and uh ruminate. I would think over and over and over and I would uh yeah. Another thing that I did and this is this is common, but it's not everyone. But I want you to know that if this is happening to you, it's 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 normal. It's a normal reaction. Sandy, I turned hypersexual. Okay. Hypersexual. It it was torture. That that actually is quite normal, uh, Allison, for the partner. There is um, there is half, so fifty percent. And again, this is another study that I was reading. There is half. Um, once they found out that their um, um, their partner has had an affair, 
or an affair, or has had affair or has a sex addiction or a porn addiction is that they want nothing to do with intimacy with this person. That they feel disgusted, they feel dirty, they feel um, the other half. It's I need to do whatever I can to try to to get that person, you know, to get my partner, my spouse attracted to me, and you mm-hmm. become hypersexual to try to. So there's there is the, the boundary. So that's um, it's it's right here the sexual boundaries for some. Go ahead. Oh, no, continue reading. Okay, sorry. Uh, for some, the, for portrayed spouses, the discovery of an affair shuts down any interest in sexual intimacy. For others, the desire for sexual connection becomes nearly irresistible. And it's for you, for anyone here, it's unless you are certain that your spouse is no longer sexually involved with the affair partner, you need to create physical distance. And don't share your spouse with anyone else. Why do you think we need to do that? Create that physical distance if we don't know if our partner is still with someone else or multiple people? Well, um, I think it's important just for our own safety and for us to be able to breathe. But I got to say, Sandy, I couldn't, I, my, I was aroused all day, every day. Like I would have multiple orgasm day. I mean, that this was, I know what it feels like to be a sex addict because for that for a somewhat brief but still very intense period of time I was so it's all I could think about I was so and you know what I had never been like that before in my life that was not a natural state for me but it allowed me to um, to kind of empathize because it's torture. It's all like it, it's it's life consuming. It's all consuming. And I wanted to make sure that people people don't feel alone or ashamed of that. That's a natural reaction to this. Everything about your sexuality has just been ripped from from the very root of your soul. It's been sh- it's been shattered. Shattered in a million different directions. Your sexuality Absolutely. Yeah. So that's that was part of it as well. Um, and I want to say there were some there were some traumatic events that would repeat um, for me. And uh, one of them was that my my ex would go out with some male friends to the bar, and I would ask him while he was leaving, "Are you going to cheat on me tonight?" And his response would be, "I don't know." So he would leave and he'd be gone sometimes all night and I would cry from the deepest places that are even part of me. Mm-hmm. I would sob and for hours and hours and what I ended up doing, I came up with a routine to help save my own sanity because you can imagine all I could think about was right now, is he talking to someone? Is he trying to pick someone up? And then as the night drew on, is he sleeping with someone else right now? So I'd have these visions of that happening and which was like absolute torture, torture, torture for me. So I started cleaning my house. Like I've never girl, I've never cleaned my house the way I clean my house on those nights. I, I did the same, uh, except for I was in the process of moving and not moving out. We had actually, be, when I found out, we had actually, our house was sold. And um, so I thank goodness for my son um, because him and I packed every single day. And uh, But the decision part, because there was stuff, we had lived in this house for 27 years. There was things that should have went to the dump you know, donation. So I was trying at first to do these different piles and then my son would take a load to the dump or we would take the load to the donation and pack the rest. And it got to the point we just had done, I think, one room. And after that, it was, I couldn't, my brain could not decipher anything. So I just said to him, if it looks like dump, take it. Otherwise, we're just packing it all because I can't make a decision. I just yeah. I couldn't make any more decisions. There was too much happening, too mm-hmm. much going on in my mind, and absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it's 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 overwhelming and it's all yeah. all encompassing. Yeah. So, um, you know, we stopped talking about it for for the most part. Like I mentioned last time, 
Uh, but it's all I could it's all I could think about still. So I was doing in the background, I'm doing all this research, I'm doing all this, you know, self directed therapy, and that's when I found the mindful habit. Um, which which we'll talk about, you know, at an, another show. But but in the meantime, we were trying to we were both putting in efforts to try to improve our marriage in every way other than sex. Okay. Well sex too. I'll get to that in a second. But we started doing things on the weekends like like going out and doing things like that weren't related to the bar or alcohol or sex we started to try to have like a life together because we really had been doing absolutely nothing for years um so you know we were bonding in that way again and and we we were uh let's see i think that the biggest thing for us was car shows we started going to car shows every weekend we we caught like a mutual hobby that we both really liked so we were trying to do that and i i do believe that he uh, stopped watching it so much at first, and I think I, I do believe that he stopped watching it altogether now. But I'm not sure because I'm no longer with him. But um, I was, I was. That didn't stop my voice, my my self dialogue. Sandy was very, very, very detrimental to myself. Um, I hated myself. I, I had, I felt like I had no value. I had. At the beginning, now I'm talking, right? So I'm talking like just, just, just after discovery. Um, that all changed, obviously, over time. But those thoughts that I had about myself weren't thoughts that anybody should ever have about themselves or about their worst enemy. I mean, I hated every. I hated my elbows. I hated my laugh. I hated my voice. I hated the way I chewed food. I hated the way my nails grew. I hated. I hated my breasts. Oh God, I hated them. And before that, I I thought they were they were nice. Well, now I didn't. Um, things would happen like I would get changed every day in the bedroom, and I started. We had, we had a walk-in closet, and I would go in there, and he would never look. He would. It was like he was purposefully not ever looking at my naked body. It was like it was like he he was he had to avoid looking at such a hideous thing and and so eventually I started closing the closet door when I changed and he got upset at me for that but it was like I the feeling I mean you can't feel more invisible than when you are standing in a room with a sex addict who will not look at your breasts mm-hmm. absolutely uh, absolutely same exact same uh, you started changing in the closet or changing in the bathroom um, and, and this was even before I found out before D-Day, um, oh, wow. because I, I just, um, I felt invisible and I, I couldn't stand the way I was feeling about myself. Um, because he, it was, it was like, he looked right through me, like right by me. Like there was nothing about me at all that attracted him. I and said now, once to, I said once to, um, my ex that it felt like I had the sexual value of a potato. Yeah. Yeah. It's that bad. Right. Yeah. And, and it was in, in talking to my ex, it was, um, he had zero interest in me. Zero. None. There was, I did nothing for him, but the reason was because of what his, interests were in the porn and in the women were fetishes and he couldn't see me in in those fetishes and so because when he looked at women um because he always even our marriage counseling I would say why don't you desire me like what's wrong with me why don't you want me why don't you desire me and he would say, I don't desire anybody. And I would challenge him and say, yes, you do, because I could see it in your eyes. When we're out, you're looking at other women and making comments about other women. But now I know he saw them in the fetish. So he was picturing them in the fetish. And right. not, and not, and he couldn't picture me because I had said no. That's right. And he had, if I'm, if I'm, um, looking at it through the habit, the, the habit cycle lens, right? So yeah. he had trained his brain so over and over and dug such deep trenches of what his brain now related to sexuality that it was, mm-hmm. it had nothing to do with you or emotions or love or anything right. like that right. because that's how his brain 
wired right. by porn. And, and quite honestly, that is sex addiction, exactly what you just said. Absolutely. Sex addiction is actually a, not about sex. It's no, about not the, at all. It's about the, the excitement, the dopamine rise of the planning, of the thought of even watching porn. And it's, but just like anything else, you need more and more and more. And that's why it gravitates to various things and more severe and et cetera. Absolutely. And we're going to cover all that next week. And that's yeah, going to be a nice, yeah, big, sure. fat, juicy topic because there are yeah. so many different aspects of it. Yeah. Um, I should say that, you know, he was making efforts in his own way. I'm not going to say that he wasn't. He was he wanted to uh, be sexually attracted to me, but he couldn't be, which I've got to say is even worse in a lot of ways. So we were, we did start having sex. Uh, we had, we had had a sex with marriage. We did start having sex. I wanted it all the time. Like I said, like literally every day um, I would offer blowjobs. I would, you know, all the time. I just wanted, because you see Sandy, if he was going to um, have an orgasm with me, that would mean one less with them. Right. Here, here's the thing. There was no intimacy in my relationship. But if I offered a blowjob, that would have been taken like that. Because, oh, wow. Because there is no intimacy in there. It is, I'm doing this act. He can picture whatever he wants in the porn totally. and whatever, you know, the he's in his head. He's picturing whatever he wants and he's, he's getting off. Absolutely. It. it had Absolutely. nothing to do with me, and it wasn't that I was bringing him to orgasm. It was that he got one. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, in, yeah, big in time. His, in, in his mind, because sex addiction is in the head, in the, in the mind. It is not uh, really having to do with the sex. I'm I'm, I'm cognizant here of our time, and I'm just wondering if we can invite any caller in at uh, 646-787-8580. We have about eight minutes left, and we would love to hear from from someone. Um, And as we're winding up here, Allison, one of the things, though, just because of this is post-discovery, is going to be so, so important, is that protect yourselves, partners, Protect yourself. Go to the doctor. Have a full, whether your your partner or the person with the affliction will or not. Um, maybe they said they've never had an affair. It's been it's all porn or it's online stuff. Go to the doctor and get a full checkup. Get tested for every type of STI. They're called STIs now rather than STD, so sexually transmitted infection. Go and get tested, and then retest to three months later because HIV, um, herpes, and syphilis can resurface, can be lay dormant. It may not be active right away, and you may test not test positive. You may test negative, exactly what happened to me. And it was uh, all of a sudden I had an outbreak, and actually he had had one first. Um, and, and I soon as I felt that I knew exactly what it was, he was completely in denial about it, saying he tested negative. That's not what it was. He ended up being tested, and it was. And um, shortly thereafter, I was tested again. And sure enough, I tested positive as well for a lifelong. Mm-hmm. So um, what okay. I'm saying is get tested. Get, make sure you have a clean bill of health and retest after three months. Your, your mental health, your safety depends on it, regardless if whether he said he's had a physical affair or not. Have it done. Because you don't know exactly. the truth. You don't know. You don't know the truth. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much for, for kind of pointing that stuff out, Sandy, because it is so important. It's so important for us to be, um, to be, to protect ourselves as much as we can in this situation. Um, I did want to make a couple more points about what my what had happened within um you know what happens to the sex life after after discovery um because one big thing was for me that uh I couldn't initiate anything and I I wrote down I used to journal so every day I would write down these are the bad things and these are the good things that happened today and this was a this was a perfect example this is a direct quote from my own journal it says, I was being playful, 
said I'd do all the kitchen stuff and all he had to do was touch my boobs. He rolled his eyes and said, it's not going to work like that. I was humiliated. So I would try so hard to be sexy and initiate and show that I was really interested in sex. And he would shoot me down. The only way, you know, that it could ever be initiated was by him. And and I would often also get gaslighted um, about this. So, for example, actually, I'm going to use someone else's story here because it was so perfect. Um, so this this uh, this partner had gone uh, to uh, the grocery store, and in the groceries with her with her husband, and in the grocery store they had been really playful and started flirting and it was like physical and sexy. So then, um, then I guess he said to her at some point, listen, let's, let's, let's continue this later. I think this is really healthy for us. I think this is, you know, let's do this later. Let's, let's put this on pause while we're here and then we'll, we'll, you know, do this later tonight. And so later that night, she kind of put her hand, started running her hands around his body or whatever she was doing and she said, you know, do you want to you wanna continue where we started? And he yelled at her. He yelled at her. He told her, and she said, well, but you said that, that we would continue later after, you know, after the blah, blah, blah. You said, no, I didn't say that. That's not what I said. That's what you heard. That's not what I said. That's what you heard. So there was gaslighting involved there. So, Sani, what is your take? Um, why You're so good at explaining stuff like this. I know we both have um, a lot of experience in this arena. Gaslighting is a big part of uh, After Discovery, isn't it? Absolutely. So, can you explain what gaslighting is? Sure. Gaslighting is when, um, when the person uh, makes a comment or does something and when it is recalled or, or you said, okay, you just like in the grocery, you said we could do this. And, and the person that's gaslighting you will say, you're wrong. You're crazy. Something's wrong with you. I did not say that. I did not do that. And they are so convincing that you start to believe that something is wrong with you. Absolutely, and we're going to definitely do a lot of uh, a lot of talking about that that in the future because it's so calm. We have, I, I would say, the gaslighting is when someone changes the perception of someone else's reality on purpose to make that person question their own sanity. Absolutely, great definition. Yeah. Great definition. I, I wanted. We only have a couple of minutes left here. I just want to end with with this for myself. It's. With with the, the post-discovery, one of the things I realized was that the man that I thought I knew, bear in mind, the thought that I thought I knew for the past, at that time, 33 years, was nowhere to be found. In fact, he died. The man that I thought I knew died on D-Day. Someone stole him. He died. And he was replaced, and he was replaced by a person who was a liar and a cheater. And there was a lot of healing to be done. And as you move forward after discovery, in any encounter, a healthy relationship is experienced when each partner moves toward the other with love and truth. And that truth first, though, partners, has to begin with yourself. You have to know your truth. And it's not that you have to make any decisions because you're going through a traumatized, a, tra- a very dear, severe trauma is that know your truth first before you try to find what their truth is. Absolutely. And it was so interesting that you said that, Sandy. For me, it was more like I had to um, come to terms with the fact that the man that I thought I had married had never existed. Yes. He, he was a fictional character. Yes. He or, wasn't or, real. Or who you thought he was, like in my case, was actually an act of manipulation in, totally. order, to, to, in order to hide the deep, dark, uh, uh, comp- the other side that he had, he had, yeah, the other side yeah. of, of him. And, and again, partners, you do not have to make any um, decisions here. Uh, it, it's remembered that you're in the middle of an emotional upheaval you're experiencing and it may be very very difficult to make it to have a clear healthy perspective 
So just do what's right for you in the day. Absolutely. And I just want to, we're just winding up here. We're ending the show in 17 seconds. So I want to remind you, I am Allison. I can be found at the butterfly habit.com. That's the butterfly habit.com. Come on over to my page. We can, and you can find out all about my coaching program, etc. And I am Sandy and I am at empoweringcounseling.ca. Take care. Thanks so everyone. much guys. Bye-bye.